Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Well, hi, friends. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to share with you here at Crossbridge and, and be a part of the preaching team. And so I'm excited to share and just tell mom, happy Mother's Day. Hope dad figured out how to play this video for you. So, um, so excited to be with you. Um, we are working our way through this series called the, the Great Storyteller, right? And so we're looking at these stories that Jesus told, and we have this kind of fancy word for them, and, and we call them parables. But really, they're just, they're just short stories that Jesus uses like an everyday kind of common object, and he explains a truth about God. I, I once heard a, a parable explained as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I think that's just a really good way of describing what a parable is. And so we're diving in to a parable that talks about how we should build our lives this weekend. But before we get there, uh, you'll remember the last time I spoke, if you were here at Crossbridge, that I admitted that I had like the secret love of professional wrestling, right? I got a few emails from fellow admirers. I won't bust anyone out. It's a safe place at Crossbridge. Um, but, but I have another admission to make here as I'm beginning uh, the, the message, and, and it's this. I love Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Anybody like love Harleys? Yeah. So like when I was a teen, I really loved Harleys. It's kind of embarrassing to admit, but like me and my buddies, we would like go online to Harley-Davidson's website, right? And we'd pick the model and we'd, we'd pick the color and the seat and the saddlebags and, and we'd build these things and we'd see how much these are and we couldn't afford them. We we're like 15 years old, right? And so just something about Harleys. And as, as a teenager, I loved to see them going down the road. I loved to just, the, the whole thing, right? The sound, the, the tough guy persona, tough lady persona, the look of them. I mean, like Harleys are amazing. And, and so I, I know I'm probably like the, the furthest thing from like a Harley rider you could imagine, right? So it makes the next thing that much more funny, right? That, that I had a collection of Harley Davidson t-shirts when I was a teenager, like a whole collection. So when we'd go somewhere like on vacation, I'd be like, oh, okay, like we're going to Chicago. So I want to get a Harley shirt that says Chicago on it, right? And we went to San Francisco. I wanted a Harley shirt with San Francisco. And so I believe at the height of my collection, I had about four to five Harley shirts that I owned. I had some that were more casual, some that were more formal. And so I, I love these Harley shirts, but here's the really funny thing, right? I've never ridden a motorcycle in my entire life. Uh, uh, my family, none, nobody owns a motorcycle. We don't, we don't own a Harley. We don't even own a moped, people. Um, like the closest thing we got is like 10-speed huffies, right? And so I was wearing these Harley Davidson t-shirts being all goofy John Pickens, right, as a teenager. And, and I was totally just being an, an imposter, right? I was pretending to be something I wasn't. And that's what Jesus gets at as we're looking at the scripture, pretending to be something we're not. And so, so let's read the words here of Jesus. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, they listen to my teaching, and then they follow it. 
It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Jesus is just laying it out, isn't he, in this parable? In the scripture, this specific parable comes at the end of a sermon. And Jesus is giving the sermon, uh, sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain. And so he's been talking about what it looks like to live the Jesus life. And he's getting to the very end of the message. And he just gets real with the people when he says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when, when you don't even do what I say? Jesus is asking them, why are you calling me your leader if you're not going to follow me? Jesus is calling people out that say they're followers, but they're not interested in actually following him. Their lives don't look similar to the things that Jesus says or does. And so the truth is, right, we all have times in our walk, in our relationship with God, where, where the things we say about Jesus don't match our actions. The problem is when we don't even care, when we don't try to correct it. Jesus gets that, hey, we, we have hard times, but, but he wants there to be a willingness to follow him. He, he's calling people out and he says, if you're going to call me Lord, you got to at least be willing to follow and, and at least give it some effort. He's not okay with us pretending to be something we're not. And so he says, your actions need to follow what your words are saying coming out of your mouth. And, and the same for us today. If we're going to call ourselves Christian, if we're going to own that label, if we're going to wear the t-shirt, Right? Jesus is saying, you're actually going to have to do the things I'm telling you to do. Our lives, at the end of the day, should look similar to Jesus's. Our attitude, our actions, our words, the ways that we love one another. And you know, I was thinking about this and thinking, why do we sometimes miss that emphasis in Jesus' teaching? Like, like how do we get to the point where there are people that would profess they are Christians but their lives don't look anything like Jesus, nor are they trying to give an effort. And I think sometimes it has to do with the fact that we emphasize forgiveness so much that we forget about the growth that happens. As we think about Crossbridge's mission statement, right? Leading people into a relationship with Jesus, sometimes we can forget about leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, that there is work after salvation. When I was a child, I came to faith with, with a, a common example, this bracelet that had different colored beads on it. And there's a picture of it that's coming up. The teacher showed us this, this bracelet with these beads, and maybe you're familiar with this way of describing salvation. It starts with the, the yellow bead or the gold bead. And, and that is to signify that God wants us to be with him in heaven. And then it moves to this black bead, and the black bead represents the sin. That, that keeps us from God, that we can't be in God's presence because of our sin. It moves on to, to the red bead, which stands for Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf, that we could be forgiven, that we could be in right relationship with him if we will just accept 
what he has done. Then there's a white bead that, that says we are cleansed from all of our sins. Our sins are as cast from the, uh, far as from the east is from the west, the Bible says. And we can have that right relationship with Jesus. And then the final bead is, is a green bead that stands for our growth and our relationship with him. And I remember as a child, the, the teacher going through it, and I was like, yes, I want that. I want to accept what Jesus did for me. I know that I have these things that stand between me and God. As a, as a five-year-old, it was like stealing gum from my sister, you know? But I know that these things that God wouldn't be happy with. And I, I feel this, this distance, and I, I'm so moved by the story of Jesus dying on the cross that, yes, I want that. But even at that age, I remember thinking, what's the deal with the green bead, right? If God promises to forgive me, if God grants me that forgiveness and I can be in relationship with him, why do I need to have the green for the growth? And you see, I think sometimes in the church, we can do the same thing. We can think the same thought. We can say, if I've got this forgiveness, then, then what does the green be? Why does it matter that I grow? And we can miss the fact that God wants to form us into the image of Jesus. He wants to shape us so that we would look like his son, that, that our very character could be defined like that. And so Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of mine, you got to do the things I'm asking you to do. And then he tells a story about two houses. Now, now Jesus is really cool, right? Because I believe that as Jesus was teaching, that he often would use something that the people could see. And so I imagine that at the very end of the sermon, in the background, there's a couple of houses. And, and Jesus says, hey, you know, if you're going to live this like Christ-like life, how you're going to do that, I want to I show you something. You see that house over there? You see that house that's standing strong and firm? Do you guys remember that storm that came last spring through this area? Well, well that house stood firm because the builder who built it, they dug deep. And they poured a solid foundation. And so when the storm came and it beat against that house, that house was able to stand. In the same way, if you're going to follow me, you got to dig deep. You got to base your life on me and you'll be able to withstand the storms just like that house. Do you see that house over there though? The, the one that used to be a house, the, the, the rubble pile? When that same storm came through, you know, the one last spring, it just destroyed that house. Because the builder of that house had said, oh, I'm just going to build my house on top of the ground. I don't need to dig a foundation. I'll just build right on top of the sand and that'll be good enough. And when the storm came, it wrecked that house. In the same way, if you're just going to listen to my words and you're not actually going to put them into practice, when the storms come, your life can end up like that house. You see, Jesus gives these people a picture of, of the result of either building your life on him and following him or just listening to his words. Jesus really gets at the pattern of this in verse 47. And, and the words are on the screen. They have an emphasis to them on purpose. It says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me. This is a pattern, right? When they come to me, they listen to my teaching and they follow it. And Jesus says, this is the pattern for building your life on me. Come to me. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. And then follow the words that I'm saying. And if we're honest, as Christians, sometimes we think it's just good enough to come, right? 
We come to, to church or, or we attend a small group and we're, we're in God's presence and it's inspiring and it's exciting. And that is a very good thing to be in the presence of God. But Jesus says, it's not enough to just simply sit in my presence. I, I learned this lesson in, in my marriage uh, a few years ago. After we had our second kid, um, Naomi and I realized that like we needed to prioritize date night. And I am a big fan, if you are married, of dating your spouse. And so we began to prioritize date night. And so for Naomi's birthday one year, I gave her a list of 12 dates that John is available for date night. I know I'm a great guy. So we go and we... Uh, sarcastic. And so we go and we start to have these date nights and we're trying to prioritize our relationship and make sure that we are growing closer to each other, right? And so I wasn't very good at dating my wife at that point. And so about two or three of these date nights in, my, my wife says, hey, I really appreciate you making the time to sit with me over dinner once a month so that we can build our relationship. But I have the feeling that maybe you're not listening to the things I say. And I'm like, wait, I have to listen too, right? And, and how many, yeah, fellas, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, right? So how many of us treat God the same way? Wait, God, like I, I, I've given you 52 dates on the calendar. I show up like clockwork, but you want me to do more? Like, I'm actually supposed to listen to what you say? And then we go to the next level. I'm, I'm even better than that. I give them 365 dates on the calendar, right? And I wake up every morning and I'm with God. But wait, God, you want me to listen to the things you're saying? And Jesus says, yes, come to me. Listen to me. But that's even not enough. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourselves. You see, I think this is a mistake we can fall into as well as Christians, where we equate listening with Jesus to being a Christian, to, to absorbing thoughts and words and ideas about God as if that equaled actually following and living it out. It's critical to listen to God. But he wants something so much more from us. And so the final step in the pattern is that we would follow, that we would obey the things he's talking to us about. And see, that's when our lives begin to reflect. They begin to mirror. They begin to show the pattern of the life of Jesus. We see that our actions just increasingly line up with the person of Jesus. We, we, we wake up one day and we are surprised at the way that we reacted in a good way. The old John would have reacted out of anger, but this new John is calm. What are you doing, Father? Well, over time, we have been following and he is shaping us into the image of his son. He's making us the people that he's called us to be. And so Jesus says, if you want to be like that house that withstood the storm last spring and didn't fall when the storm came, be sure that you Build, you, you build your life on me, that you come to me, that you listen to my teaching, and that you follow it. You see, that is the pattern that Jesus wants us to build our lives on. Not to short-circuit the process, not to say, coming to, to you is enough, God. Oh, I, I listen to you, that's not enough. Come, listen, 
and follow. You see, as a pastor, I've had the privilege of journeying with many of you. And it's inspiring this week as I was thinking about people whose lives are built like that. People who, who don't just show up, they don't just listen, but they try to live the Jesus life. I was inspired as I thought of some of your stories that I've been able to walk with you or even see from a distance. And this week, as, as a congregation, as we were praying for the Senecas, that they would get their visas so that they could go and pursue the mission that God is leading them on, I couldn't help but think of them as an example of people who, who have come into God's presence. They've listened to that call on their lives, and they are radically obeying and following him to the ends of the earth. You, you see, there are so many folks that know this pattern. There are many of you that know this pattern in your daily life. It's not always as big as moving across the world. Sometimes it's just walking across the street. But I've seen firsthand Crossbridgers live this Jesus mission out where they say, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with just coming and listening. I want to live it for Jesus. I want to live my faith out. And so I was reflecting on many of you and I was reflect, reflecting on Sam and Christy and I was like, what, what makes a person like that? Like what, what helps us get to the point where we move to the follower stage? And, and I, I thought of just really three things as I was thinking about that, just practical handles for us about what, what's required to be that kind of person. The first thing is vision. These kinds of people begin with the end in mind. They see the kind of person that Jesus wants to make them down the road, and they live their lives towards that. A few years ago, we had a problem at my house, and uh, the problem was the garage wasn't big enough, right? And so I had lots of tools, and I had lots of stuff, and again, I'm trying to work on my marriage, so I said, I'll build a shed. And so I began to build my piece of man heaven in my backyard. 10 foot by 12 foot of John Pickens space where I could make my own messes, store my own things, and nobody else would have to walk in there. And so I began building it. It took me about three years to finish. Um, I view it as a cathedral. They take hundreds of years to build. And so I'm still actually in process. But anyways, I began with the end in mind. I knew I had a picture of this glorious piece of 120 square feet in the back of my yard. And, and I knew how I wanted to design it. I knew how I wanted to build it. And, and I knew that I wanted to do it as cheaply as possible. So it was gonna take me like four years. But anyways, I began to build it with the end in mind. And, and you see, I think that's what the Christian needs that's gonna build their life on Jesus. They need to have a, an end in mind, a vision of what it would be like for them to become increasingly like Jesus at their places of work, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, to, to see their attitudes change and transform that so that people would say, what is going on with them? So something is different. You see, we have to have that end in mind, and, and Jesus has that for us. Jesus wants the best possible outcome for you and your life. He said in the book of John, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is not holding out on you. And so if you've got a vision that's less than, it's not from Jesus. Jesus is saying, I've come that you could have full life. That's what the vision looks like. Okay, so it requires a vision, right? We have to begin with the end in mind. 
The second thing I think about these people is that they've embraced a life of sacrifice, sacrificing their own way. They have prioritized the commands, the teaching, the presence of Jesus above so many other things. They've sacrificed their own way of doing things, their own desires, their own needs, and they've put God first. And really, honestly, when we do that in our lives, it usually means things take longer. They they cost us more. But in the long run, it's going to be better. I've learned something about myself, and I'm not a guy that likes to move slow. I'm not a guy that likes to take longer. I'm not a guy that likes to pay more. I like things cheap, fast, and easy. My general philosophy with life is let's slap some lipstick on that pig and move on, right? But Jesus isn't interested in that. He wants to change us deeply. He wants to transform us. You see, if you think back to the foolish builder, He saved time. He saved effort. He he saved money. And he just built on the ground. It was good enough until the storm came. You see, in your relationship with Jesus, there is no substitute for sacrifice. There's no cheap alternative to taking up your cross and actually following Jesus. Uh, Jesus says these words to his followers, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And so Jesus says, you got to sacrifice doing things your own way. You got to embrace my way of living. And, And then this last thing, as I thought about so many people who have built their lives on Jesus, they started with the end in mind. They had that vision. They they sacrificed their own way. And then the last thing is they were courageous. They had extreme courage to live life differently than the crowd. You see, the the Jesus way has never been the most popular way in our world. And it probably won't ever be. In, In order to live out the things that Jesus calls you to live out, it is going to take extreme courage. Jesus asks us to do very hard things. He asks us to love our enemies. He he asks us to pray for the people who persecute us. He asks us to bless those who want to curse us. It is hard to follow Jesus. It is hard to follow Jesus in this world. And so it requires courage to stand out. And if I'm really honest, it requires courage to stick to your plan as you're digging your foundation. When others seem to be getting ahead of you, their houses are going up quicker. They're moving along faster in life. As you're digging your foundation and their house is almost done, you're thinking, maybe, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I can just scrap that plan. I'll go get their plans and I'll just do things their way. Because the Jesus way requires sacrifice. It requires effort. It requires time. And if we begin to compare our lives to the lives of those who are not building a foundation on Jesus, we can lack courage sometimes and be tempted to give up. But Jesus says, hold on. Be courageous. Stand out because the work you're doing today 
it's going gonna, it's gonna to reap rewards in the future. When the storm comes, you're going to be able to stand fast. You see, these people that I admire, these people that I look up to, you very folks at Crossbridge that have built your life on Jesus, you had that vision. You sacrificed your own way. And you were courageous enough to stick with it when it seemed like you were falling behind in life because you knew you're building for something in the future. As we move towards a time of response here, I just want to highlight one final thought. As I was reading and thinking about even Jesus standing 2,000 years ago, I really do. I think he was pointing to two houses that they could see. This thought occurred to me. At one point, those houses probably looked really similar from the outside. They were probably good enough. They were probably adequate homes to live in. They, they were probably attractive, and no one knew the quality of the foundation until the storm came. And you and I know this. The storm is the great revealer. When storms come into our lives, it reveals the depth of our foundation. And if some of us are honest, we've been at times in our lives where the storm has exposed the lack of foundation we have. Maybe you find yourself there even now sitting in a pile of ruins, thinking, I didn't take the time to dig deep. And here I find myself. Life has fallen apart. Things aren't going the way I planned. I thought I was going to save time. I thought I was going to save effort. But I'm sitting in the own pile of my life plans and it's all falling in on me. But here is the good news, that Jesus is the master rebuilder. He loves to rebuild. He loves to work on lives. He loves to take the rubble and say, if you're willing, let's start digging a foundation. We're going to build differently this time. You see, a fool only remains a fool if they build the house back the same way. A fool can turn into a wise person when they say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I did this on my own and I'm willing to start over. I'm willing to dig deep. I was a person that used to just listen. I was a person that was just satisfied with being around. But I am here and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do my best to live out what you're calling me to do. I want to be obedient, so help me as we dig that foundation. You see, wherever you find yourself, whatever the storms have done to your spiritual house, Whatever foundation or lack of foundation that you have, Jesus wants to meet you and say, build your life on me. That is our invitation this weekend. Let's pray together. Father, as we turn to you in these moments, as we prepare our hearts to lean into you, to respond to you, to be open to the ways that you are moving in our lives, God, I pray that you would help us to be people that have vision, to, to be people that have courage, to be people that sacrifice our own way and embrace your way. Father, in, in these moments, even now, wherever we find ourselves, God, would, would you help us to turn to you, to, to build our life on you, to say we want to put our foundation on you. God, help us to respond to you. Help us to be open Help us not to be fearful, to, to trust, God, even in this moment, that, that the future life you have for us is the best possible life. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.